Now time for the BCHL Podcast, presented by Subway. Here's Finn Williams to end the game to the floor. Yeah. He scores! There's a backdoor play. What a goal! Zach Michaelis! Rolling puck in front. Tied up in skate. Rowan Clark with a heroic save. My goodness, Rowan Clark. What did you eat for pregame? Real balls, real shoot scores! Patrick for Nick Real. Donaldson driving the goal, wrapping around. He scores! Brilliant goal by Sean Donaldson. Schleppi to the goal. Once again, he scores! Oh my word, Tyler Schleppi with a dandy! Three on one. A move. Vito back to a move. What a save by May. Coming across with the left leg. My goodness. Hey there. Welcome to the BCHL podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. Well, everybody, it's finally here. We have reached the Fred Page Cup Finals, the fourth round of the BCHL playoffs. And what a matchup we have. 12-0 versus 12-1. The undefeated Nanaimo Clippers taking on the 12-1 Penticton Vs, who have not lost a game since their playoff opener. Both teams have won 12 straight games. We are in for quite the finals. Before we get to the guest list for today's podcast, I just want to remind everybody that the BCHL podcast is presented by Subway. Subway is a longtime partner of the BCHL, and we thank them for their continued support. All right, on this week's podcast, we're switching it up. We're doing things a little bit differently today. Uh, Instead of talking to players or coaches involved in the series, We decided to connect with the broadcasters from each team to get their perspective on the team. Obviously, they have a a very unique perspective being so close to things. Uh, So first up, we speak with longtime Nanaimo Clippers broadcaster Dan Marshall. And after that, we connect with Trevor Miller, who is the play-by-play man for the Penticton V's. Before we get to that, though, just a, a few quick notes about the series and the matchup. Uh, Penticton is the number one seed overall in the BCHL, number one in the Interior Conference. The Nanaimo Clippers are the number three seed from the Coastal Conference. Uh, And each of these teams boasts a ton of the top scorers in the BCHL playoffs. Uh, Sean Donaldson from the Clippers is the league's leading goal scorer in the postseason. He's got 12 goals in the playoffs. And he's also tied for the league lead in points with 19. And on the Penticton side, they have a couple other players uh, that are also tied for the points lead. Josh Nadeau and Luke Wilson each have 19 points. Uh, Bradley Nadeau just won back with 18 points as well. Uh, And it's also an incredible matchup in net. Uh, One of the biggest stories in the playoffs so far has been Nanaimo goalie Cooper Black. He recorded three straight shutouts uh, in the postseason in games three and four in round two against Chilliwack and game one of the next series against Langley. Uh, He leads the league with a 9.53 save percentage. Uh, But not to be outdone, Penticton also has a great goalie. Uh, Caden Lane has had an outstanding postseason. He's second with a 9.39 save percentage. He's tied uh, with Cooper Black in goals against average. So uh, it's setting up to be quite the matchup. Um, And to help us break down that matchup, uh, let's get into it with Clippers broadcaster Dan Marshall. We get into it with Dan in our conversation. We speak to him about some of the players I just mentioned, mentioned Cooper Black and his unbelievable postseason. We get his thoughts on that and where it ranks in goaltending performances that he's seen uh, in the league. We talk about, obviously, Sean Donaldson and his incredible playoffs so far. Uh, and we also get into some of the secondary scorers, some of the players 
on the third or fourth lines that Dan sees as potential um, surprises or potential players that will emerge in the finals. So uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Let's preview the Fred Page Cup finals. First up with Nanaimo Clippers broadcaster Dan Marshall. All right, Dan. Uh, well, previewing the Penticton and Nanaimo series, I think uh, with you on the Clippers side, there's only one place we can really start, and that is with Cooper Black. Uh, he went over three games without letting in a goal. He's got a league best 9.53 save percentage. And it's not like some of those situations where you see with goalies where they're barely facing any shots a game. He's faced a decent amount of shots uh, throughout the playoffs. So I know you, you've been around the league for a while. Where does this rank in goaltending performances that you've seen? Well, I think I've seen some pretty good ones over the years, but this ranks number one for me. The three games plus shutout streak that was up to 245 minutes that was impressive, just seven minutes shy of a BCHL record. But his consistency of play right from day one has been really tremendous. And then I almost been a team that at times has not really had the defensive conscience that I think the coaching staff would have wanted. And they had to do a lot of learning and I think soul searching, winning games 6-5, in the heart of the season spending a lot of that time although without cooper black he was out for five weeks but let's go back to that five weeks of no cooper black he said to me it was almost like his christmas break got <laughs> extended he came back at the end of february against the langley riverman made over 50 saves in his return of the lineup and since that time he has just been lights out and it was during that time after he came back and through the month of march that the clippers really did develop that defensive conscience uh, the situation is well known that uh, there was a shift in the coaching staff. And as Colin Burkus returned to the team and took over the reins, um, the three-headed coaching monster of Burkus, Bob Beattie, and Bob Folietta has really stressed defensive conscience. Cooper Black is at the core of that. But he'll tell you, and I've asked him this specific question, that his team is giving up very specific shots from very specific places. And so for him, he's seeing a lot of the same shot time and time again. It's allowed him to get into a tremendous rhythm. And I haven't seen a goalie in this kind of rhythm personally before. Yeah, you, you mentioned him coming back from injury and how he's been so good since then, but it really does seem like he has reached another level in the playoffs. I mean, get, going over three games without giving up a goal is a pretty good indication of that. So you you watched him closely in the year. Did you think this he was capable of reaching even this level when you saw him during the regular season? Look, I'll be honest. You never think that any goaltender is capable of reaching a level like that. In a playoff scenario with the amount of pressure to have three shutouts, one of those in an elimination game against the Chilliwack Chiefs where he faced 37 shots, uh, just you never expect to see something like that in front of your own eyes. When you do, it's special. And that's why this will go down. Uh, I felt over the years, you know, watching goaltenders like Guillaume DeSalle, like Jason Argue, like Michael Garman for the Nanaimo Clippers, that those guys were at a high level. And this surpasses that. And the goaltenders I'm speaking of are some of the best goaltenders in the last 20 years of the Nanaimo Clippers. So uh, this isn't surprising uh, when we're talking about a goalie, but he seems like a pretty unique guy. I know um, he was trying to kind of avoid media and interviews uh, during the playoffs when he was uh, super locked in and dialed in. You're close to the team. I don't know how many interactions you've had with him throughout the year, but uh, what kind of a guy is Cooper Black away from the rink and, and maybe just off the ice? Uh, 
while you watch his demeanor when the play is stopped at a hockey game and it gives you a bit of a window in to Cooper Black. He's just a very low-key, calm individual. And I remember the first time that I talked to him back last August when he was starting to dial in and get ready for the season and be a member of the Nanaimo Clippers, I was struck with just how open that he was, how easygoing he was. And then when I actually got to meet him for the first time, because we'd only talked over the phone, just that same feeling of a guy that was open and very easygoing. And he's a guy that teammates like, but he's also very serious and a student of the game as well. And then I will Clippers shooters have told me that Cooper gives them a lot of insight on places to shoot potential weaknesses on other goaltenders. And so he's not just a help stopping pucks at his own end, but he's a guy that is trying to also help break down what maybe the Nanaimo can do offensively at the other. Another guy we got to talk about is Sean Donaldson. He's uh, he's a BCHL veteran, uh, been around a long time, actually won a championship with PG back in 2019. Uh, and he's someone else who's hit, uh, seems to have hit another level this year and especially in the playoffs. Um, not a huge surprise since he was an MVP finalist, but he's leading, uh, tied for the league lead in, in points in the postseason, most goals. What, what can you say about him and his play and, and how has it impressed you? Sean wasn't necessarily going to be a part of the Nanaimo Clippers this year. He was during the Island Cup, which was the precursor to the pod season. But when he, like a lot of players, weren't sure if the BCHL was going to even have a pod season, he decided to go down south. And, uh, you know, things, I think, were kind of mixed for him down there in terms of, yes, there were some positives, but some negatives as well. So he came back to the Clippers early in the regular season, had a hat trick in his first game back, and really has just never looked back since then. You wonder sometimes when the checking gets tighter if a guy can continue to do it in the postseason. And so far through three rounds, he has a great evidence of just how special a goal scorer he is. Is in overtime in game three against the Langley Riverman, Tristan Fraser is coming into the offensive zone and all eyes are on Fraser, but somehow the league's top goal scorer manages to get wide open by the goalpost for a tap-in and an overtime winner. And you know everybody on the ice is aware that Sean Donaldson's out there and that he's the best goal scorer in the BCHL statistically at this point, but he still finds a way to get open. And he doesn't need four or five chances to score. Donaldson can get sometimes one or two chances and end up with one or two goals in a game. He's a special elite shooter, and he's extremely smart with his body position. He's also a guy that is not afraid to mix it up, stand up for his teammates as well, as he's been among the Nanaimo Clippers penalty minute leaders the entire playoff run too. So a guy that has done it all and provided a ton of leadership as a player, you referenced it, that has been to a championship with Prince George. And that experience I think has meant a ton to him and his teammates because he shares a lot of that experience. Yeah, obviously Donaldson's been great. You mentioned uh, Tristan Fraser as well, but the third uh, member of of that line that was so good for the Clippers all year is Max Itagaki. Uh He's been out since the first round. I know, and I know he came back for a couple shifts in the Chilliwack series, but mostly been out since Game Four of the first round against Surrey. Uh, I'm not sure where it stands with his health, but I know uh, a week and a half uh, break uh, can only help um, his his journey to get back into the lineup. So. Uh, um, hypothetically, if if Itagaki's back in the lineup for game one or at any point in the series, uh, what does it mean for the team? What kind of a boost does Max Itagaki give to the Nanaimo Clippers? 
Well, it's a massive boost. You're talking about the team's number two score in the regular season, a guy that was the Clippers leader in power play goals in the regular season and was playing great hockey all the way through until game four of that series against the Surrey Eagles and left game four. And you thought, well, maybe, you know, he'll miss a couple of games. And, you know, here we're talking right before the league final begins. And we don't know what Max Sidigaki's status is. If I were a betting man, and I'm not, <laughs> I would bet that we see Max Sidigaki at some point in this series, whether it's game one, whether it's later on down the road. He wants to go so very badly, and maybe that decision to try and come back in the Chilliwack series was a bit more optimism than science. But I think you know science will back a Max Sidigaki roster opening at some point during this series. The Clippers have been very fortunate that Keegan Gary fit in just like a glove with Fraser and Donaldson, had the massive overtime winner in Game 3 in that Chilliwack series, and also has been really consistent throughout this postseason, no matter which line that he's played on. So the Clippers didn't really miss a beat with that line, but what Itagaki's presence will do, it helps out on the power play. It also maybe moves Keegan Gary into a spot with Jeremy Payant and Charles Tardif, and the Clippers think if they could get that line together at some point, that that could be a really special line that's a complete wild card. And it was nice to see Charles Tardif really get his offense going with a couple of goals late in the Langley series. And if that could continue, maybe with Keegan Gary on the wing and Max Sidigaki up at the top, all of a sudden, you know, that Penticton offense that's so dynamic and so deep. Uh, and then I was all of a sudden in that same category when you look at Max Sidigaki rejoining. Yeah, I wanted to kind of follow up on that on some of the secondary scoring that the Clippers have. So you mentioned Keegan Gary. He was so clutch for the team in uh, that Chilliwack series. Um, a player like Brody Waters kind of stepped up uh, pretty significantly against Langley. Is there someone uh, outside of uh, maybe Sean Donaldson that has really impressed you as a secondary scorer throughout the playoffs? Well, you just mentioned his name. I think Brody Waters has been fantastic he's over a point a game in these playoffs 14 points in 12 games so far and it seems that if it's not sean donaldson it's somebody on the clipper line of waters daniels and hewitt and i think to give you an idea of you know what the coaches think of brody waters and also his line mates daniels and hewitt virtually every start and end of a period shift brody waters and his line mates are out there and Brody Waters had three points in the series clincher against Langley, but it's not necessarily the volume of points. It's when Brody's getting them, he's scoring massive goals at huge times in hockey games. And that unit being a first shift and last shift type of unit, it's not the Donaldson line that gets most of shifts. It's Brody Waters and his line mates. I think that's a very underrated line, but certainly a very appreciated line and much talked about line from the coaching staff. Yeah, we're talking about secondary scoring. I want to go even deeper than that. It, it seems like in the playoffs, there are guys in lesser roles. And when I say lesser roles, I mean third or fourth line, maybe third pair D-men that step up and either score a big goal or put in a big performance over a, a few game stretch. Is there anyone on your radar that plays down in the lineup uh, on the Clippers that you could see emerging in the finals? Well, you saw it maybe a little bit at the end of the Langley series that Walker Erickson, who's been primarily playing fourth line minutes for the Clippers, 
He got a couple of points in the series finale, and it was nice to see him jumping up into a couple of top nine spots here and there. And Nanaimo's been playing a lot with seven defensemen and only 11 forwards. So guys on that fourth line, whether it's a Luca Grabis, a Cole Hansen, a Walker Erickson, those guys have sometimes had to take a little bit of a diminished ice time role to allow that seven defenseman rotation to work. And I don't know if the Clippers will go with that against Penticton. Uh, obviously, things are not being talked about a whole bunch in terms of strategy right now with the media. But Erickson's a guy that's uh, at the bottom of that lineup that I think has more offense in him. And Cole Hansen is another guy that has really been a good utility player for the Clippers, whether that's playing on that bottom pair or sorry, that bottom line, that bottom trio, or even moving up into the top nine. So I think Cole Hansen and Walker Erickson, if you're asking me to play a hunch on a guy down the roster that might chip in, in these finals, it could be one of those guys. So you touched on it earlier. This team has dealt with some adversity with uh, a coaching change midway through the year and some uncertainty there. And we, we don't need to get into the details of that. But what can you say about this group of players and how they've responded? Um, it, you, you mentioned Coach Burke is coming back. That kind of led to uh, uh, a stronger defensive play. But what, with the players specifically, how have they responded and, and taken their game to another level down the stretch here? Well, I think it's been so much more than that. And obviously when there's a coaching change and some uncertainty, you know, that takes a lot of character to try and deal with. And people lean on their billet families, their families, uh, people lean very heavily on guys behind the scenes. Um, Bob Folietta, Dave Lifton, Ken McPhailin, guys that were helping out in that interim to get the Clippers through a few weeks of uncertainty. So I think, you know, billet families, parent families, and those coaches that were also a part of the transition, those guys were critical. But then I will also dealt with, as did everybody, the COVID-19 part of the BCHL season and some uncertainty there, the flooding around the province that changed the schedule quite a bit. And so all of the adversity that and in some of those cases, all BCHL players have dealt with it. But in some cases, the Nanaimo Clippers specifically have had to deal with that. I think it's really brought the group, the, uh, group closer together. I think what you've seen is you've seen a real sense of leadership from within. And that, I think, was magnified when the Clippers had some part-time coaches be a part of the mix. The players really had to take on a lot of their own leadership and create their own identity and really strengthen their locker room as a group together. And I think that that experience has shown to be a net positive, even though I think for a group that maybe had lesser character, it could have been something that derailed their season. But I think it really shows the strength of character that that, I think, was something that just brought the team even closer together. Last question for you. I won't ask you to predict the winner of the series, but uh, we'll, we'll tackle it another way. What needs to happen for Nanaimo to prevail in this series and win the Fred Page Cup? Cooper Black has to continue to play like he's been playing. And I do think all signs point to him being able to do that for four, five, six, or seven games. I think also that it's got to be not about just Sean Donaldson and his line. I think we've been talking a little bit about depth scoring, and I do think that that is so critical for Nanaimo that somebody, maybe that's Brody Waters continuing to stay hot. Maybe it's somebody from that fourth line stepping up. And maybe it's also, and we didn't talk about this, 
maybe it's getting some points from the blue line, whether that's Jack O'Brien, who's had such a strong playoff, uh, Michael Crank, who was really good in the regular season, Ethan Mystery, who was the Nimo's top rookie in the regular season in terms of his point production. So maybe offense from the defense could be a part of that too. But I think it starts from the crease out, and the Nimo very happy and content to win one nothing or two one type of games. And I think those score lines give the Clippers a lot of success. If we see four, three, five, four, six, five hockey games, if it ends up being a track meet, a shootout, that's not the way that the Clippers want to tackle this. All right, Dan. Well, that was some great insight. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the time and looking forward to uh, hearing your call and, and getting the series going on Friday. Thank you so much. What would you call a new crispy chicken sidekick made by Subway sandwich experts? With seasoned chicken breast free from artificial flavors, a crispy golden brown coating, and freshly prepared just for you? At Subway, we call it the complete package. Introducing our new crispy chicken sidekick. Only $3.99, only at Subway, and only here for a limited time. Subway, eat fresh. Freshly prepared for your order. Limited time at participating restaurants. Extras additional plus tax. Huge thank you to Dan Marshall for joining the podcast. All right, let's switch gears and get the Penticton side of things. We spoke with Penticton V's play-by-play man, Trevor Miller. Miller gives us his perspective on the V's postseason run so far. We talk about some of the team's top scorers like uh, Josh and Bradley Nadeau. Uh, we speak about Luke Wilson, Adam Isley, the goaltending performance from Caden Lane. And we also get into some of the specifics of why the V's have been able to be so offensively productive uh, during the postseason and the regular season as well. So needless to say, there's lots to discuss. So let's get into it. Here is our conversation with V's play-by-play man, Trevor Miller. All right, Trevor. So first things first, uh, the V's have three of the top five scores in the playoffs, uh, actually four of the top seven. Uh, before we get into those specific players, just uh, in general, what is it ab- about this team and this system and uh, from w- what you notice that allows them to be so productive offensively? I think, you know, the biggest thing for this team that we've seen throughout the course of the playoffs and really throughout the course of the regular season was depth. And it's something that I think that this team had a lot of um, in 2019-2020 when that season got cut short due to COVID. And I think, you know, going into that season, there was a big emphasis on not just getting scoring from one or two lines or one or two individuals. It was getting scoring from everywhere. And I think the V's have done a great job of replicating that again here this season. And it's crazy that you think about that because you look at a guy like Josh that, who had 40 goals in the regular season. And, you know, there's still ways that this team can contribute with depth scoring all over the lineup. Obviously, Josh has had a great playoff. He's got 10 goals in the playoffs now. But, you know, having a guy like Jackson Newendike, for instance, is a huge asset to have right now. He's got, he's got you know, six goals in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he only had nine in the regular season or seven goals in the playoffs and only had nine in the regular season. So, you know, that's a guy that has had a lot of impact for this team so far throughout the course of the playoffs. And uh, obviously, it's just been such a big key for the V's uh, throughout the course of the season. But I really think that's been the number one key for this team. You know, you look at plenty of different things throughout the course of the season and throughout the course of the playoffs on how this team has played and, you know, how they develop the way they have. And I think it just comes back to that depth factor. And depth is so big, not just when it looks to scoring, when you look to guys that can, you know, can put the puck in the net, but at the same time, 
you can roll four lines and keep the energy high. I think that's something that's really helped them throughout the course of the first three rounds is that they've been playing teams that maybe have been a little top heavy and have relied on, you know, their top line, their top two lines or top defensive pairings where the V's have been able to roll out one through six on the back end and one through 12 up front. And they haven't really had to worry about overexerting minutes or uh, worry about a guy playing 25 minutes a night, not being able to give the same amount the next night. So I think they've had that going their way so far with the way their depth has played. Everybody's contributed to this lineup. And obviously the goaltender, Caden Lane, has been big as well. You know, he was excellent in the series against West Kelowna. He was uh, superb in game four where the V's needed him. And uh, when West Kelowna was giving a push, and I think, uh, you know, that's all factored into a very good story for this team through the first three rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, you mentioned Josh Nadeau at the top of your answer there. He's tied for the uh, scoring lead in the playoffs. His brother Bradley is just a point back. What can you say about the two of them and what they've added to the team this year? It's something. It's something to watch these guys play right now. It's uh, it's unbelievable, you know, throughout the course of the regular season. I think there was a bit of a, I don't want to say growing pains, but I think there was a little bit of a maturation phase that had to go through for this team that, and for these players that, you know, they're coming all the way out to the West coast for the first time, guys that have played out East all of their career and all of their lives. They've been close to home that whole time. And, you know, having that move and having to move all the way out West. I mean, obviously that's a tough thing for, you know, any adult in any situation, any middle-aged person, never mind someone uh, who's 16 and 18 coming out here uh, to Western Canada for the first time. So I think there was a little bit of that, obviously a little bit of a language barrier as well, but I think both of them have really settled in nicely here to Penticton, obviously, um, you know, Josh having the regular season that he did with 40 goals, Bradley as a 16 year old with 20 goals. And obviously for Bradley, a big experience for him to go to the under 17s and compete there and have success there as well. And then, you know, you look at the playoffs for the two of them. And I think the first three games of the opening round series against trail was again, one of those things where they had to get accustomed to what playoff hockey was, you know, and obviously, you know, time and space is taken away. Uh, you don't have that same kind of opportunity in the regular season that you would normally have. So I think, you know, they found a way to get into their groove in the playoffs. And obviously since then they've been unstoppable. Bradley scored, I believe, or uh, Josh has scored. And I believe, uh, eight of his last nine games he's been superb obviously with 10 goals and for Bradley as a 16 year old it's just so fun to watch he's a guy that uh, is so creative with the puck has a lethal shot and a lethal one-timer especially in the power play and someone that just creates so much from so little and the two of them it's just the at, at times you're speechless you know you, the, you're dazzled to watch them they're the first guys of the rank. They don't want to get off the ice of practice. Uh, they're guys that want to stay out there for as long as possible and uh, and work on their crafts. So the work ethic very much there from the from these two guys. And it's been so fun to watch them and how they developed throughout the course of their career so far through the season. And uh, and I'm sure the University of Maine is pretty happy looking <laughs> at these two guys and knowing that they're going to be coming to campus uh, sometime in the next couple of years. But it's been a lot of fun to watch them play. Uh, they've developed some terrific chemistry with one another and uh, looking to keep it going for uh, another round of the playoffs and hoping that it leads to a championship. 
Yeah, when you see brothers on the same team and and the, even the same line, uh, people tend to kind of just lump them together and talk about them as a combination. You obviously, for local hockey fans here in BC, the Sedin twins, they kind of got talked about together all the time and not individually. So obviously you, you watch them closely. When you look at them separately, what types of players are they? How are they different? How are they similar? How, how do you see that? I think from a from a similarity standpoint with the two of them, they're both incredibly creative. I think it's something that, um, you know, both guys really see the ice well uh, and they find plays that I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of guys on the ice that are going to be able to find, especially between the two of them. Uh, they both have terrific chemistry and are able to to really see those things. And I think when, you know, you look at a player like Josh and a guy that had 40 goals again this year, but almost a sneaky 40 goals, because I think Josh is not necessarily his shot is his best asset. And that's in no way taking anything away from it. I think that he's very selective and uh, can pick spots very well with his shots. It's not necessarily the power of the shot that's going to overwhelm you, but it's the precision of it that's going to find the back of the net. And I think that's something that Josh really brings to the table. Uh, you know, he's a strong skater. He, again, sees the ice well and, and can really pick out strong plays. And a guy that isn't afraid to go to the hard places. You know, he's 5'8", he's 5'9", five, five, maybe on a good day. And uh, he's not afraid to get to the front of the net. And he's not afraid to go to the dirty areas to find goals. And uh, quite often you'll see him at the front of the net uh, putting those goals in. I think when you look at a player like Bradley, who's a bit taller in physique, uh, someone who might be able to lean out a little bit more. But I think you know Bradley's got the skating aspect of his game. He's an incredible skater. And his shot is one that can overpower you. And is, again, one of those guys that just has a fearless competitor kind of like attitude where he's not afraid to, to get into the rough stuff. He's not afraid to mix it up because he knows that that's what results in getting to the net and getting goals. So I think when you look at guys individually, I think Bradley, you know, brings that element of his shot and the overpowering one timer that he can have. And he can find the back of the net with uh, with a heavy wrister as well. And when you look at Josh, I think it's the, uh, precision of the shot, his placements of his shots that work so well. And, uh, and both guys, you know, adding that together for them being on the line together and how they've played all season has obviously benefited the bees and how things have worked out so far through the playoffs. But uh, when you add those things together, it creates a pretty lethal combination and they've been able to really fit Adam Isley and well on that line as well. Another one of the top scorers from the V's I wanted to talk about is Luke Wilson. He's also tied for the playoff scoring lead with 19 points. Uh, coming into round two, he had a ton of assists, but or sorry, coming into round three, he had a ton of assists, but only one goal. Uh, he seemed to really find that goal scoring touch, though, against West Kelowna. He scored five times in the four game sweep. What did you see from him in that third round that maybe you hadn't seen in the first two? Willie's a guy that I think, you know, you, you look at his game and he's got all the tools. He's someone that, again, is not afraid to compete um, and he's got an unbelievable shot, but he also has the playmaking ability to be able to set plays up. And I think that's what we saw in the first two rounds of the playoffs, that he was a guy, especially on the power play when he's working on the right wall, that he's someone that can really spot out plays and find soft spots in a defense and make plays happen. And it's interesting because I think that we've gone through parts of the season with, with Luke that have been when, when you've seen him score a ton of goals and then you see him not score a ton of goals. I think there are times where he doesn't use his shot. I think as much as he should, 
And when you jump back to the pod season last year, he had 14 goals in 20 games and was a guy that used his shot heavily. And uh, his favorite player and someone they tries to model his game around is Austin Matthews. And it's pretty obvious in the way that he shoots the puck, but it's a, it's a similar kind of scenario where it's a very quick release and a hard shot. And I, I think for, for Luke, the first two rounds, obviously it was, for him, you know, as, as one of the guys on this team that has that BCHL playoff experience, one of the only guys on this team that has that experience, I think it was one of those things where, you know, I don't really know if there was a mindset shift or anything like that because he had 29 goals in the regular season, but he certainly was the playmaker in the first two rounds. And uh, I think he decided to shoot the puck in the third round and good things happened, obviously, for him to have the five goals that he had. He scored in every game of the series and uh, was a guy that, obviously played a big part in the offense and, and contributed in a big way as well. So uh, for him, I think shooting the puck is obviously a big key for his team. And uh, obviously for the, he's hoping that he'll continue to shoot the puck in round number four. And it led to good things uh, in the last round against West Kelowna. So in, in talking with uh, interviewing some of the players and, and uh, uh, head coach Fred Harmonson, uh, touched on uh, the injury to Finn Williams during the year. Obviously, he's the captain, one of the top players on the team that left a, a big hole in the lineup. But shortly after, the team brought in Adam Isley, who you referenced earlier, uh, and he seems to have uh, fit in quite nicely. I know he's not a, a one-for-one one one replacement for Finn. Finn is a, the leader of the team as the captain, but... Uh, what has the addition of Isley done for the team, given that they did lose Finn Williams uh, right around the same time that they brought him in? It's definitely helped ease that pain. That's for sure. I think, uh, you know, you look at that time of the year for the V's, it was a tough one. Finn went down on New Year's Day in West Kelowna, and it was a really difficult time, obviously, because, you know, throughout the course of the year, the V's knew that they were going to be able to get Adam Isley in the lineup. They recruited him through the offseason. Isley was battling with an injury that he had last year trying to get up to Canada. And obviously that's when COVID was at its peak. And, you know, there were some issues to get him over the border and to get him back uh, or to get him into the country. And once he got here, I, I think it took him maybe a couple of games, maybe one or two. And then we really started to see uh, what he brought for value on this team. And uh, another guy like Wilson, who's committed uh, to the University of Minnesota State Mankato for next year, obviously a team that has had a lot of success. Mike Hastings, the head coach there, knows what he's doing and uh, knows how to find uh, strong recruits and pick those guys out as well as Simon Tassie, another guy who's going there as well as a, as the league's leading scorer, or the, up toward the league leading scorers uh, this year in the BCHL. But, uh, you know, for Isley, it just really clicked for him when he was able to get on a line with Josh and Bradley Nadeau. And, you know, a lot of times on the broadcast, I'll reference him as the third Nadeau because it seems like that. It seems like his chemistry has just been so strong. And, uh, you know, you referenced the Sedins earlier where they were maybe struggling to find a third line mate to, that they were, were not able to get through their career. I think, obviously, uh, the V's were able to find that for Isley and able to get him one. Uh, as he was able to find the Nadeau's. But he's been so good at you know, retrieving pucks down low. Again, a common theme on that line where he's not afraid to get to the goal and make things happen when he gets to the front of the net. And someone who works hard every single shift that he has. And I think he's got he's got a lot of skill that might go a bit unnoticed. He makes a lot of plays where he's able to be very deceptive with the puck away from defenders. And it just eased the loss of, of losing Finn so well. Obviously, for the V's, they didn't want to see Finn go down. You never want to see your captain go down. Uh, you know, For Finn, it's been a rough couple of years where 
you know, you're going through COVID in the last year during the pod season, they had to sit out the last few games because of an injury. And then obviously set out the, the remainder of this season with an injury as well. So it's been rough for him. You never want to see that happen from a leadership standpoint inside the dressing room. I think a lot of guys were able to come together and, and were able to bond together and create that uh, leadership at the top that you might miss without having Finn in the room. But on the ice, I think Isley supplemented Finn in the way that he came on so strong and has really helped this team ease that pain because there's not a lot of teams in this league that are going to be able to lose their captain, lose a guy from their top six, and be able to go on the run the V's have. And I think that's just a credit to what Isley's done for this team to get them to this point. So Nanaimo's goalie, Cooper Black, has gotten a lot of attention so far this playoffs, and rightly so. He's leading the playoffs in almost all goaltending categories. He reeled off three straight shutouts uh, earlier in the postseason. But uh, Penticton has a great goalie as well. Caden Lane has has also had a really solid postseason. When you look at this goaltending matchup, do you you see it as being a bit closer than maybe it might seem from the outside? 100%. I, I do. I think that, you know, obviously the success that Cooper Black has had in the playoffs has been insane. A 953 save percentage has really helped his team out to where they are right now. But I think Lane has done the same thing. And I think I think maybe Caden's gone a little bit under the radar when it's come to that standpoint because the V's have scored a lot of goals. And I've been in a lot of tight games where the scoring hasn't been plentiful. The V's have had games where they've had a lot of goal scoring and maybe haven't had to rely on their goalie as much as the Nimo has. But I think it's a lot closer of a race than we think. Uh, again, Caden was outstanding throughout the course of that series against West Kelowna. And in game four was really, really strong uh, to keep the these uh, in intact with that game and to, and to keep them on the winning side. So for Caden, I think, you know, the success from the regular season has translated over here to the playoffs. This is a guy who finished just one shutout short of, uh, Michael Gar- Gartake's all-time record in the BC Hockey League. He almost had uh, the opportunity. He had the opportunity to break it uh, with a few games down the stretch. Just one of the, wasn't able to find another goose egg. But uh, for Caden, it's been an incredible time here in Penticton uh, after being acquired from the Grand Prairie Storm a couple of years ago. Obviously, playing the pod season last year, having a lot of success there. And uh, you know, we know that the pod season has different challenges and different aspects of the regular season in a regular year doesn't. And I think. That's something that, you know, every everybody in the league had to go through is growing pains. But I think he came out stronger with that. And obviously coming into the playoffs here, he's taken on a big role and he's excelled in that. And someone that I think the V's are very comfortable playing in front of. They know that if they make a mistake, they have a goaltender back there that's perfectly capable of bailing them out and making a big stop. So it's exciting when you look at this uh, this final that you have two goaltenders who are at the absolute top of their game right now. I think obviously throughout the course of the playoffs have been the two best goaltenders in the league uh, for their respective teams. And uh, that's exactly what we want to see. There's not a lot of weak spots for either of these sides coming in to the Fred Page Cup final. And uh, and both goaltenders for sure are on an equal level coming into the series. Yeah. Speaking of Cooper Black, we kind of listed off all his accomplishments so far the postseason. Uh, he's six foot eight. He's playing out of his mind so far. So what do the V's need to do in your mind to maybe get to him and, and break that confidence a little bit because he's he's obviously in the zone right now yeah and he's had one unbelievable playoff so far and uh and he has been outstanding in the crease and i think for the v's one of those keys will have to be getting to the net and creating chaos in the crease i think will be a big key um you know you look at the first two the first three rounds for now they haven't given up any goals but i think they're playing a team penticton that's that's a team that they might not have seen so far this year and i think it's really interesting 
with the way that the season's gone to lead us to where we are now, where you look at the year that these two teams did play once this year, that was back in October, the V's won seven to three Cooper black was in net that night. He didn't have a great start to the regular season really came on strong in the second half of the year. And it's interesting in the aspect that we usually have a bit of an idea on how a series is going to go. Your guess is as good as mine on how this series <laughs> is going to work out with the way that, the, that this year went with the highway closers, the two conferences, just playing mostly in conference games. It's been a bit of an interesting way in that regard where a lot of these teams have seen each other a lot of times. You think of Denimo seeing Surrey and Langley and Chilliwack. They would have seen them a ton through the regular season. The same with the V's having to see West Fulton and Prince George and trail. And then you see them in the playoffs. It's again, just, four more or five more games against the same team. So it's, it'll be really interesting. Game one will be a really interesting uh, uh, point to watch in this series to just see how these two teams react to each other. And as the series goes along, of course, once it shifts to the Nimo, it'll be the same kind of thing to see how these two teams uh, go up against one another in each other's buildings. But, you know, to, to look back on it and, and to look at the series, I think it's going to be a point of emphasis for the V's where they're going to have to make sure that they get to the net. I think this is a team that's put a lot of shots on goal uh, and the team that puts a lot of shots on with meaning as well. I think there's a couple of big differences in that. You can put 50 shots on net and it's not going to mean a whole lot if they're all from outside the dots or all coming from the blue line. I think you have to make sure to get to the middle of the ice and create meaningful chances and put meaningful pucks on net. So I know that's what the V's motto will try and be going into this series is getting eyes to the goal and trying to take the eyes away from a six, eight goaltender is never easy. So the V's are going to be tasked with that challenge and uh, it should be interesting to see how that evolves throughout the series. So I asked uh, Dan Marshall this as well. It, it always seems like in the playoffs, there are guys in third or fourth line roles or maybe third pairing roles that either step up and score a big goal or, or put in uh, a stretch of really good performances in the playoffs or in the finals. Is there anyone on your radar on the V's that you could see uh, emerging in the finals? Well, I know in baseball, when they have the ALDS and ALCS, they have MVPs for each one of those series. If you were to look at an interior conference final MVP for the V's, it has to be Jackson Newendike. He single-handedly outscored West Kelowna in the series. The Warriors only scored four goals. Newendike scored five, and he had an incredible series. So it was fun to watch him play at a hat-trick in game one. Two of the goals were shorthanded. He scored two goals in game four, and the last one to completely ice the series into an empty net. So he had a, he had a really good series and he had points in three of the four games of that series. And a guy that defensively means a lot to this team. He plays a big role in his own end. He's a very strong penalty killer and someone who was very underutilized in two years in the United States hockey league he played for Sioux city. Didn't play a whole lot. Didn't get a whole lot of meaningful minutes came here to Penticton. He got an opportunity to play and right away, even in the preseason, you saw that it was almost like he was shot out of a cannon sometimes because I think just the excitement of knowing that he was playing on a team where he had a meaningful spot and you know he knew that his work would show on the ice and that's exactly what's happened so far. His point totals weren't high in the regular season. He was someone that, again, was relied on very strong for defensive play as he has in the playoffs, but it's great to see him having that success throughout the course of the playoffs and he's been someone that uh, in that third round in particular was a scoring machine for the V's. So it's great to see that depth come through and he came through with some big goals there as well. And, you know, we talked earlier about the depth of this team and I think that's really had an impact on their playoff success. And 
you look to not just games in the last round, but the games throughout the course of the playoffs. There's a new hero every single night with this team. Beanie Richter scored twice in game three against West Kelowna. That was a big turning point there. And, you know, in some of the other games, game two, the V's had five power play goals. So their star players came out and that's where the top guys came into play and uh, had a big factor in that game as well. So they've had some games where they have to grind it out, especially on the road, two tough buildings to play in, in Prince George and in trail in the first two rounds of the V's were able to come away with one goal wins in each of those four games. So it was grinding away, finding different guys to come through. Stefano Bettini's had a big impact as well as a big body. Uh, that can shoot the puck and get it on the four check and make plays happen. So, you know, there's been a lot of really strong individual efforts for this team throughout the course of the playoffs. But again, their depth just comes through in such a big way that throughout the course of the regular season and then all throughout the playoffs as well, it just seems to be a different hero every night. And in that third round, there were plenty of different guys that stepped up. And I'm sure that uh, will translate on to the Fred Page Cup final and hoping to see uh, the same kind of cast of characters come through and the depth come through again. Just a couple more before I let you go. Um, you recently dug deep into the history of these two teams. You put together a really cool graphic on, you put out on your social media. If Those who haven't seen it, check out the V social media. But really dug deep into the history of these two teams and involving the Fred Page Cup and uh, the, the matchup. This is the seventh time that they'll have met in the finals. When you look at that context and, and that history, what stands out to you with uh, this matchup? Well, from a personal side of things, I was with this team when uh, when the V's won in 2015 over Nanaimo. So that's obviously one thing that stands out quite a bit is uh, looking at that series where the V's won in six games and Dakota Conroy scoring an overtime winner in game six in Nanaimo to, to, to get this team a championship. But it's just amazing to see the history between these two franchises. You know, the V's getting into the Fred Page Cup. Uh, for the 22nd time they're looking to win their 12th Fred page cup. If they do, that'll be the most all time. It's just, there's so many different historical levels between these two teams that it doesn't matter what decade or what era it is. They always have success and they always find a way to match up against one another. This is the third time uh, since 2008 that these two teams will be meeting for the Fred page cup. And it's a very interesting to look at the history of things and how that's gone down. Again, the seventh time these two teams will meet, uh, the, you know, the seventies was dominated by the Clippers. They won three straight championships against the V's, the V's won one in 1980. And then of course in 2008 and then in 2015 as well, they were able to come back and, uh, and get a win against the Clippers. And I think it's just great to see for both these franchises to continue their story, uh, history against one another. And, uh, you know, the history of this league is so strong on, at all times. And I think w when you have the Nimo and Penticton as two teams that have been a, a real epicenter of that, uh, success in the league, it's always fun to watch them play. And, you know, you have two really good fan bases. Uh, you know, this weekend should be a lot of fun to, to have the first two games in Penticton and the series in Penticton. And we've had great crowd support so far in a town that's really starting to, to feel the energy here of the Fred page cup final. And then I'm going to be the exact same, you know, when the series shifts down there and, and having an opportunity to play games three and four down there, it's a, it's a great building to go into and, and an intimidating one at that as well, where, you know, they've got a lot of Nanaimo fans that are on top of you and they know what's going on and, and they're looking forward to seeing their team in the final as well. So these two franchises, it, it seems like somehow or another, they're always linked together and always find their way to, to see each other in a, in a final series. And, uh, it's pretty crazy to think of. I don't know if there's any other, uh, teams, uh, sets of teams that have locked horns more than these two teams when it comes to the Fred page cup final. But, 
Uh, we're looking forward to another installment in this chapter, and it seems to be very quickly this rivalry picks up uh, when these two teams meet. Even though they only met once in the regular season, I think the heat's going to be turned up pretty quickly in the Fred Page Cup final. Yeah, I, I may or may not have stolen a few of those stats that you put out for my series. Well, preview, I kind of so. figured that would happen. So. <laughs> uh, last, last question for you. Uh, I, I won't ask you to predict a winner of the series, but um, if Penticton were to win, um, if they're to prevail and win the Fred Page Cup, well, what do you need to see from them? What needs to happen for them to, to end up as the winner? Well, I think uh, beating Cooper Black is the biggest key. Obviously, he's been a guy that's had a lot of success in the playoffs and it'll be a big storyline coming into this series is that they're going to need to find a way to get pucks behind Cooper Black. And I think for the V's, you know, when you've looked at their playoff success so far, it's been that depth that they've had that they've come through and really have uh, been able to wear teams down and been able to be physical. So I think it's going to be one of the biggest keys throughout the course of this series is keeping that energy level high. And in the fourth round of the playoffs, it's been a grind. Although these two teams will have a week and a half off before they play game one. So having that rest, I think has been crucial for this team going into this series. And one of the biggest things that uh, both these teams can have is having that energy in game one. It'll be interesting to see what game one looks like right off the hop. If it's a bit of a timid start between the two teams because they don't really know how they play, uh, obviously both these teams will do their homework. They'll watch the video. They'll go and get their teams ready to go. But at the same time, until you see it live, you don't really know what you're seeing. And it'll be interesting to see how game one starts with these two teams. But I think if the V's are going to prevail in this series, it's going to be getting to the net, being hard at the goal and creating turnovers inside of the offensive zone because they're going to need to make sure that Nanaimo, who has defenders that are very good at moving the puck up ice, you know, you got a guy like Jack O'Brien and Michael Craig, two guys that are veteran defenders who are able to move the puck up ice very quickly, get themselves into offensive standpoints to lead guys like Sean Donaldson, Max Adagaki, Tristan Fraser into good offensive spots. I think the Bees will have to take pucks away inside of the offensive zone, which they did very well against West Cologne in round three and force themselves into good offensive situations. And that's getting to the front of the net and trying to take the eyes away from a six, eight goaltender. So that could be a series long battle uh, that we'll see going on. But I think in the visa to prevail, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen, obviously for both sides to come away with the Fred page cup. But, uh, those are some of the things that I think are going to play the biggest key in this series uh, to try and help the Vs get a victory. All right, Trevor. Well, I kept you long, so really appreciate the time. Um, can't wait to uh, to get the series going and see what happens over the next uh, week and a half or so. Yeah, we're looking forward to get this one going finally. It feels like an eternity since we last played the game, but looking forward to the Fred Page Cup final and should be lots of fun ahead. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, that does it. Another episode of the BCHL podcast, and it was a special one, our Fred Page Cup preview. Thank you so much to my two guests, Trevor Miller, broadcaster for the Penticton Vs, who you just heard from, as well as longtime Nanaimo Clippers broadcaster Dan Marshall. Really appreciate the time from both of you. Uh, again, a thank you to our presenting sponsor, Subway, uh, and thanks again for their continued support. And, of course, thank you to our producer, Greg Ballack, for putting this thing together behind the scenes. If you're looking for even more content, we have got you covered at bchl.ca. Uh, we have a full preview of the Fred Page Cup Finals uh, that can be found on the website or, or on our social media. 
Uh, and we also have a feature story on Clippers goalie Cooper Black, who has uh, been on an incredible ride this postseason. Uh, we talked about it a lot in the interviews, but leading the league with a 9.53 save percentage, three shutouts in a row. And this story is actually written by our intern Kai Fahrenholtz, who has been producing great work for the league. Uh, and this is just the latest uh, written piece from him. And be sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we are at BC Hockey League. Uh, we are going to continue our Instagram exclusive photo series that we've been doing all playoffs. So uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram so you don't miss it. Uh, game shots from each and every game during the postseason. So be sure to check that out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the games this weekend and next week. And we will talk to you again soon.